Hey, hey. Okay, so you guys know that I've moved my platform over to Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash Jamie Glowacki. So everything is moved there. That's where I'm now housing all my parenting content. For a dollar a month, you can access all the episodes of my podcast, but no worries if you don't want to do any financial commitment at all. We'll continue to release selected episodes here on your favorite listening platform. And just so you know, I also put up free public posts and mini podcasts on that Patreon page. So all you have to do is head over to that main page, patreon.com slash Jamie Glowacki, and you can see my free public posts and mini podcasts. Head over there to check it all out. And now on to today's show. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. So today I have an interview with Zoe Jones. And Zoe and I go way back. She was an old client that became a friend. And she has wonderful stories to tell you guys about how she applied some of the work we did together, how she is an entrepreneur and a businesswoman, and how she manages that with kids and being a mom. And she's also a personal injury lawyer. And we decided to have her on because we all know that personal injury lawyers can be like some of the slimiest characters on earth. Zoe is not. And she is going (laughs) to tell us some tips, particularly if you're in a car accident and things that you can do. And I thought this was really great because I was in a car accident. I don't know. I want to say about five years ago. And I didn't know what to do. And it turns out the girl that hit me wasn't even insured. And in Rhode Island, you have to be insured. And she like flashed an insurance card at me. And I'm such a dumbass. I didn't even think to take a picture with my cell phone that has Uh a camera in it. And I didn't think to look over the car. And there was so like there, there barely looked to be any bumper damage, but she had wrecked my frame. So I didn't even know that till I got to the car shop and they were like, wow, your car's fucked. And I was like, no. And then I couldn't track her down. (laughs) So anyway, I have personal experience with like not doing the right thing. So I thought this would be an awesome bonus episode for you guys to learn some things from her. Welcome. Welcome, Zoe. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us your backstory, how you got to be where you are, a mom and a lawyer, which seems pretty fucking intense if I do say so myself. (laughs) Hi, Jamie. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I just, I love that you introduced it as the slimiest attorneys, which they have that rap, you know, the ambulance chasers, all the jokes that are on PI attorneys. But when it comes down to it, like you said, being in that experience, you need to be protected. And so I'm excited to share that and help Um, other families be protected on the roads. But before we get into all of that, absolutely. I've wanted to be an attorney since I was five years old. So I've grown up in a family business. My dad is an attorney. So I've been in a law firm since I was on my mom's lap typing letters on the typewriter with her. And um, it's been my whole life. But through that, I still had a lot of connection time with my family since it was a family business. And then growing up and starting to become an attorney, I started to be questioned and challenged from other people as to why I wanted to be an attorney and whether or not I wanted a family or not. And just before going into law school and in law school, I had a choice. You can be an attorney or you can have a family. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of stunned me because, you know, my dad's an attorney and he was very hands-on parent and my mom ran the business. She was there. So 
it just kind of floored me when I was in law school and people started actually questioning me about it. I thought, well, that's, you know, it's like, you have a lot of balls to ask me that. You know what? It reminds me of that, that Instagram reel that's going around. Well, first of all, I'm going to do both. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so what they actually said, and I remember a couple very specific conversations. I was at the end of a bartending shift. I bartended my way through school and she goes, oh, you want to be an attorney? Oh, I guess you don't want to have a family. And I thought, no, yes, I do. And then another time I went to a coworker's dinner with my husband and the fiance of the person he was working with said, oh, well, you must not want to have kids. I said, no, I definitely want to have kids and I want a a business and I want a career. And she goes, oh, you can't do it all. Somebody else will raise your kids. And I just was totally taken aback and thought, oh, I am definitely going to be this hands-on parent and have a career. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to show these people, not like she knows me now, but as you say in New England, hold my beer. I love it. I love it. It's exactly it. And so I, you know, I went through school and waited to have kids until after passed the bar. And then I had my kids. My oldest is now five. So I'm a mama of three. Uh, I had uh, three wonderful home births and being pregnant and birth and kids. I I love it all. It is just as much a part of me as being an attorney, I have to say, if not more, I mean, more to be honest, but yeah. And so I had my oldest uh, five years ago and we're a family business. So he was in the office with me. I was nursing. My sister worked in the office. I would get a call. She would come swoop in, take him, bring, you know, change his diaper, bring him back. So I was very fortunate that I've been able to be in a family business while having my young kids. Yeah. Um, It sounds like you guys created like a family culture around work, which is so great. I mean, you know, you see the movies of the lawyers who have to work, you know, 23 hours a day and, you know, to get ahead. So it sounds like you guys had this real family values within the the culture of work, which is so cool. Yeah. It's such a blessing. It's amazing. However, you still feel pulled in different directions. I was still wearing all the hats, trying to do it all, trying to prove to everybody, but myself that I could do it all every single day. And we can't, we can't honestly do that. We can't give 120% of ourselves to everything every moment of every day. Mm -hmm. And so the past five years, and especially reading your book and following you and applying a lot of um, what you have to say in your wonderful parenting advice, I have really worked hard to maintain a balance and create non-negotiables in my life to have my career and my family time and, and be able to do it all, to be quite honest. Yeah. I want to ask you about those non-negotiables, but first, you know, I'm pretty vocal about this, but I haven't said it in a while. So we may have some like new listeners. Balance is a verb. Balance isn't a noun and it's not a destination. And I know this because I was an acrobat in the circus and like even a handstand, I can hold a seven minute handstand, but I'm working my hands and it's a constant. It's not like I get up there and I'm like, I'm good. I'll just hang out here. Like every second is like, where am I? Where's my body? Is it starting to tip this way? Okay. I have to adjust. And so it's those minute adjustments, but it's also, I can hold it for seven minutes, but then I have to come down. Anybody can juggle anything, but the balls are going to drop at some point. Right. <laughs> so which ones are glass? Tired, you know? And so yeah. I always think it's worth, and I have so many mixed metaphors about this, but for me personally, it's a four burner stove and one pot is boiling. There's just going to always be one pot boiling. Then two pots are on simmer and one part, you don't even know what the fuck's in it, but you're like, all right, whatever. I got another pot on the stove. It's going over there somewhere. <laughs> it's like laundry in the closet. In <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the boiling pot is going to switch. Sometimes it's like you're, you forgot to pay your bills and they're overdue, even though you got plenty of money in the bank and you're like, shit, 
that pot is boiling. So now the kids have to watch TV while I attend to the bills, you know? Yeah. So what are your non-negotiables? So my non-negotiables, and actually before, before that, before creating my non-negotiables, I have to say, it was, you know, it's a lot of trial and error too. And I really learned first to give myself a lot of grace with all of those pots, one boiling, one simmering, <laughs> one not knowing what the hell is in it and permission to ask for help. It was a huge one for me because I wanted to do it all myself and I thought I had to be the one to do it all. So giving myself that permission to ask for help and embracing the beautiful chaos of toddlerhood. Let me ask you about the asking help because that's such a tough one. And did you have a personal, because it seems like you're pretty clear that like you bucked up against these yahoos who were telling you you couldn't do both. So you were like, yeah, I'm gonna. So you seem pretty clear, like that was your motivation. But did you have a, like a come to Jesus moment when you realized I have to ask for help and it doesn't make me less of a mom. It doesn't mean I'm not doing it. Cause I feel like so many moms today struggle with that. No, 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 I'm good. And you can see they're drowning. No, 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 I got it. You know? It's like, we have to put on this super mom cape and show everybody that we can do everything. And we don't have to, why do we have to, to show that? I did have a come to Jesus moment. Actually, it was with my sister. I was pregnant with my second. So my three, my oldest is five. My middle is now three and a half and my youngest is one and a half. So they're all pretty back to back. And in between, I had a couple of miscarriages. So I, I've been pregnant for the past five years. Wow, yeah, um, yeah. And so I was uh, pregnant with my daughter, my second, and I had my son. He was, you know, really young. I think he was a year at the time. And I had a heavy workload. I was trying to do it all. And I was just in tears, you know, more often than I would have liked to be. Mm -hmm. And my sister looked at me, she goes, why don't you get some help? And I'm like, no, I can do this. I'm doing this. And she goes, get a nanny. And I'm like, what? Honestly, I didn't even know what's a nanny. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, you know what a nanny is? And I thought, um, no. And so she goes, it's someone that comes to your house because I didn't want to send my kids to daycare. Um, she's like, it's someone that comes to your house and helps you and helps you with house stuff as well. And the kids laundry and things like that. I was like, that sounds like, I don't know. It just, it it made me uncomfortable at first. And then I started going through my days and luckily I'm able to work from home sometimes. And so this is when my, my son got to be too mobile. So he couldn't really be in the office anymore because he was just you know running around. And so I realized, okay, I'm going to look into what that looks like and what that means. And I you know got help and worked from home for the first four months with her because I didn't want to leave her with my kids yet. And I wanted to watch every little thing she was doing and oh, what she really, was feeding them. Control, a little control issue there. Oh yeah. I, I had to work. But I was with her for the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I had to work on that very much. But through that, I gave myself that permission to back off and let a little bit of the control go and focus more on my relationship with my kids, what I'm doing in every moment versus having to do it all, all the time and keep all those pots burning. And so that's when I really created my non-negotiables, which to answer your question in a long, long version, yeah, that's right. um, number one is start every day with intention. It's like you said, when you're holding that handstand, you're thinking about all the things at the same time. And so when I wake up every morning, I think about my day and how it's going to flow and what my intention is for the day. And I do my best, of course, we're not perfect, but I do my best to hold that thought and that intention 
to motivate me through my day because it's constantly changing too, right? It's not every day is perfect. You never know what you're going to get. I don't know if my morning's going to go super smooth with transitions and getting my kids ready for school and my youngest is coming out of potty training. So is she going to poop in the potty or what's, you know, how's it going to oh, go? Yeah, absolutely. But keeping that intention through the day is what keeps me going and gives me the energy. And then connection time, absolutely. But not just connection time with my kids. It's connection time for myself. Mm -hmm. It's connection time with my husband and it's connection time with my kids. And that is the forefront of my day. So even if I come home a little bit later than I had planned and was going to do this dinner, if I haven't had that connection time with my kids, when I walk in the door, I don't go straight into dinner. I say, screw the dinner. We're having soup and sandwiches. I make sure that I have that time. I wake them up a little bit earlier than probably most. They're up at 6 a.m., even though we don't leave the house till eight, Mm -hmm. because I have that built in connection time with them in the mornings. And they need that. I need that. (laughs) I need that. Any more negotiable, non negotiables. I just, I love that. And what I love about it is the creativity. And I often work with families. This comes up with dads a lot. They'll keep the kids up or whoever's working outside the home, I should say. Largely speaking, that's dads, but I don't want to. You know, I've been accused of thinking I'm in the 1950s when I say things like that. But whoever comes home from work, and if it's both of you, you know, if you come home from work and then you're keeping the kid up late because you want connection time. And I always say, make breakfast connection time because everybody's at their best in the morning, you know, and Pascal was a natural 5.30 a.m. riser. Dude, it would snow and we would go out, build a snowman, come in and have hot chocolate, play at Candyland, and then it was time for preschool. Like we could do all of that in the morning, you know? And so I was actually grateful that he was an early riser because he got home from preschool and it was a shit show. He was wiped out. I was tired for me. And we've talked about this on some recent podcasts about like prioritizing meals and nutrition and how you prioritize food. Like that's the time you order out. That's the time you do peanut butter and jelly. You know what I mean? Like you make the, the really amazing breakfast. So yeah, I really love that idea. And it sort of flips it on its head. It really does. And it sets the intention for them for the day. If we don't get that time, I can tell they're just falling apart more often. Is there anything better than heading out the door for the day with a bunch of connection and love? Absolutely. It's awesome. But I also like the hiring the nanny. And I often tell people, you know, and some people can, maybe you could afford a mother's helper. Like maybe you're not in a financial position to have a nanny, but you could get a neighbor kid and pay them five bucks an hour while you're home. One of the big things I see in today's parenting is the kids up the parents' ass to play with them. And you shouldn't be your kid's playmate and you don't have time to be your kid's playmate all the time. So I always say, stick in your zone of genius. And that goes for business, right? When I learned the best thing I ever did for my business was hire a bookkeeper. My idea of hell, and I'm sure I'm going to hell, is (laughs) is, it's going to be lined with Excel spreadsheets and numbers. And I'll probably have to be a bank teller and be really soft-spoken. And when I hired a bookkeeper, I was like, oh, I can just make podcasts and Instagram videos and work with clients because that's what I'm good at. And so whatever it is, you guys, you can have somebody for five bucks come do your laundry. You could have them play with the kids so you can do the laundry and listen to a podcast or whatever. Like when you get that in-home help in any variety, then you have your zone of genius and you feel good. You're like, I am it's a life-changing cook. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I it's mean? life-changing when you, and I love that. I love the zone of genius. I just read that book actually. And oh, yeah. I, it's so true. You know, you, we need to take a hard look at where our time is going, what we're doing 
and where our energy is going and where we get energy from and stay in our zone of genius. And it's okay to hire the neighbor kid to come and hang out for an hour. Or if you need that transition, if you're working outside the home and you come home and you need 20 minutes to yourself, Mm -hmm. which I do, I do take too. When my, my nanny picks up my kids from school, I get that, you know, 20 minutes. And then when they walk in the door, I'm ready. Like I've switched hats. I taken my lawyer hat off. I put my mama hat on and I just, I'm excited for it. Yes. And that is the most important. We want to be excited where we spend our time and what we do. And yeah, there's energy it's so trainers, funny, you know, when I'm, working, off. <laughs> right? when I'm working with somebody who is wearing a lot of hats, sometimes what I'll do is actually make them put on a different hat. Cause I'm like, you have to have your own transition as a parent, like come home from work. And sometimes with families, this isn't, oh crap, I have a toddler. But if you're, you and your spouse are arriving home at the same time, can the nannies or the babysitter or preschool, can they keep them late? So you guys can meet, even if it's on a park bench. Hi, how was your day? So you get this like united front before you walk in and it's like, Bonnie, daddy, dinner, potty, bedtime. It's like, whoa, everyone wants your attention at once. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So we have asked for help, get the nanny. We have connection time. What's another non-negotiable? Routine, but rolling with the plot twist. So consistency, absolutely, with toddlers has been just my saving grace. My Mm -hmm. kids thrive on routine. They need to know what's coming next. My son just lives off of the calendar. He's five, but he started reading when he was four. So he, you know, reads what's going on. He reads the menu. He likes to know what he's having for dinner. So keeping that routine is a non-negotiable for me, but also learning to roll with the plot twist. If something happens, if I get held up at work a little bit later, I'll switch out the dinner to make sure I get that connection time. And my last biggest non-negotiable is sleep. I think we're down to now. I mentioned sleep in every freaking episode. (laughs) You have to, you absolutely have to. People think that they only need, you know, five to six hours of sleep. No, I need at least eight hours of sleep. My kids go to sleep at six, six 30 and they're up at six. They need their sleep. I, I, I can't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they do not stay up just for to watch TV or whatever. It's like, nope, sleep comes first. And that's non-negotiable in our house. And you guys, even if you're not, so even if your kid's not reading, you know, I'm big on whiteboards because what you're calling plot twists, you know, we factor in it's rhythm and routine. So mm-hmm. it's rather than at nine o'clock, we eat breakfast at nine o'clock, we eat breakfast. It's like breakfast, then quiet time. So you could block out your day in sort of a rhythm as opposed to like a very staunch time routine. Exactly. Um, And sleep, sleep, sleep. So I'm going to say a little bit more about that because one of the things that shocked me, so my kid went through this like dinosaur phase, like every kid does. And then he re-entered the dinosaur phase. And that's in my homeschooling episode. I talked about how he was into Jurassic Park and all this stuff. I don't know if you guys know this, but we're in the heyday of dinosaur bone discovery. Like I just assumed they had discovered all the bones and classified all the animals and they're not, they're finding there's 32 different, that's the, I I forget the classification, but there's 32 different kinds of T-Rexes. So like they're really discovering, but the same thing goes with nutrition. So if you're getting your nutrition information from the 1980s, it is not only old, it was guesswork because of technology. We now know But the thing about sleep is more and more discoveries are being made every single day about how dramatic it is. What happens to your cortisol when you don't get it? What happens when cortisol, you get addicted to a cortisol release and then you're addicted to adrenaline and then you can't sleep. And it's just amazing. And so more and more, I'm just going to bed earlier because I'm like, it's so rejuvenating 
and it makes you on fire for the next day. So if you're dragging ass, I wake up at 4.30 without an alarm clock. And I'm so happy you would want to punch me. I don't need coffee. I like it. And I like it because I like to poop. But <laughs> but it's, again, sleep. Like Zoe said, like the kids need it, you need it. And I know as moms, we get stuck in this, it's me time. I need me time. Or once the kids are in bed, I'm going to do all this stuff. But you really, the best thing you can do for yourself is get good sleep because then you awake like kicking. You're like kicking ass the minute you wake up. Right. And I just get up a few minutes before my kids to have that little bit of me time. My husband, he gets up about an hour before I need a little bit more sleep. So I get up about 20 minutes before and I do a quick meditation. And it's also great because if my son gets up a little bit earlier and he kind of comes into my room and he sees me doing my meditation, he knows exactly what I'm doing. He'll sit down next to me and wait until I'm done. And then he wants to do his meditation too. So it's it's, it's super cute. I mean, they just observe. It is freaking crazy how much they observe and watch everything you're doing. It is crazy. And it's so, we forget these things. I often tell this story. I realized somewhere, like when he was in kindergarten, that I would read when he was asleep. That was my time to read. And I realized I was never modeling reading for pleasure. And so I started to do that. I'd be like, you know what? Hey, it's time to read. You get your book and I'm going to get my book and we're going to read for 20 minutes. And I wouldn't read to him. He would look at his books and I would read my book. But like, I love the idea of modeling meditation because mindfulness is such a buzzword right now. And it's largely empty, you know, because you got moms who are like, okay, it's time to meditate. (laughs) Now, granted, good for you if you need to meditate, if you're in that space, but like you run like a chicken without your head, but you want your kid to be mindful. So it's all about modeling. You know, if they see you, and this isn't exact, you guys, it's not like you sit down to meditate, your toddler's going to be like, oh, okay, we're meditating now. Great. I'll be quiet, mommy. You know, I'm sure you put in the work of like, no, 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 I'm meditating. Mm -hmm. Consistency. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The consistency. Right on. I love those non-negotiables. All right, let's jump into some lawyery stuff, some non-slimy lawyery stuff. What, talk, what do you talk my of, love language? Yeah, right. <laughs> what a, like, would you specialize? I guess personal injury is from anything. I don't know anything about the law. So I specialize in auto accidents primarily. I guide injured people to navigate their medical treatment and obtain an optimal settlement and peacefully move on with their lives after an accident. So that is my world of business. But really when somebody is involved in an auto accident, I come in, I hold their hand, I do all the work so that they can focus on getting the healthcare that they need and just going to the doctor and getting better. You know, statistically they say 77% of drivers have been in an auto accident. You are most likely, unfortunately going to be in some kind of accident in your lifetime and people don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. So I Not only do they not know what to do when they're in an accident, but they're not properly insured themselves. So I have made it a goal for myself this year to try to educate families, especially to have the proper insurance coverage for themselves so that they can feel more confident on the roads in case they're ever involved in an auto accident. And that is under insured motorist coverage, which people go, what? What the hell is that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So what happens when you're in an accident is you go after the insurance coverage of the person that hits you. Well, eight times out of 10, they either don't have insurance or they don't have enough insurance Gotcha. and then you're screwed. So you have all these medical bills, you're out of work, you know, you're in pain, your whole family's turned upside down and there's not enough money to cover everything. So what families can do. And that's just your standard. That's like your standard insurance that you get, you know, progressive, whatever. Well, yeah, because the minimum is, well, in California, I'm in California, the minimum is 1530, 
which means there's only $15,000 for one person to pay their medical bills. Medical bills are through the roof. Yeah, I mean, a hospital ER bill, visit. <laughs> not even a hospital, an ER visit with just to look at you is like $60,000. It's like crazy. It's mind boggling. And so I've just had, I've seen time and time again over the past few years, especially the past couple of years. And it just, it breaks my heart to see families not having the proper coverage for themselves. So that is the underinsured motorist coverage that families can get. Wait, say that that again, underinsured? Under, it's uninsured and underinsured. So that if you're hit by a driver who's uninsured or underinsured, then your insurance kicks in and fills in the gap and you have money to pay your bills. And it doesn't affect your insurance when you use that. That's why you have it there. And it doesn't cost that much to add it either. And so it's like, just do it. Go check it, do it. Make sure you and your family are covered because if some bozo hits you and they have shitty insurance or no insurance, you know, you're okay. And they're the worst drivers. The ones with no insurance or shitty insurance, they're the worst drivers. (laughs) Because they don't care. <laughs> exactly. And they don't own anything. They're like, whatever. They just go all over the place. Well, so. that's funny. Just, you know, a quick funny note is, you know, when I was in the circus, you have to carry specialty insurance. And so I had a $10 million policy and people would be like, wow. And I was like, not for me because I was an aerialist. If I fell, I take out a bunch of the audience. So I had to be, oh. I had to insure for them too. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, that's why it was such a big, a hefty policy because if you're an aerialist, you know, you could damage other people. <laughs> That's interesting. I love those stories. You had it in your book where someone that you worked with would collect her urine and take a bath. She had great right? skin. Yeah, she'd take a bath. <laughs> the things like, I remember out of, out of Everybody remembers that. Everybody remembers that. But too, um, Pascal and I just booked a wilderness survival course. So I don't know if you've ever seen the program alone, but there's oh, yes. a, yeah, the guy who won season six, Jordan Jonas, he runs these survival camps. So we're going to go and we're going to be in the remote, the most remote part of the U.S. And it's in Montana and he's going to teach us all these skills. But you have to buy medical evacuation insurance. So I was like, we have to buy in helicopter insurance. <laughs> you know, in case something happens, you, you do need a helicopter. Yeah. So, oh, so all wow. these insurances well, you don't think about. That is so cool, though. The uninsured, underinsured. OK, so yes. what else do we need to know? If you are in an auto accident, the top things to remember, call the police. A lot of people don't call the police because they think it's not a bad enough accident. I'm Maverick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love the Maverick stories, by the way. Oh my God. He's so (laughs) hilarious. I love the comparison to toddlers. I'm like, yes, that is how they are. (laughs) Oh my God. He's such a toddler. He's such a toddler. And not only that, he's big too. So he's like, you know, we all know those gigantic toddlers that people mistake because they think they're like five and you're like, no, 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 he's two and a half. <laughs> right. Right. Love it. Um, okay. So call um, the, so yes, no so call the police. Okay. Yes. Call the police. Take photos. You didn't take photos. And we all have our phones, take photos of the vehicle, take photos of their license, car information, insurance information. And most importantly, go to the doctor. You may get out of an auto accident and think I'm okay. I'm just going to be sore for a little while. And then three weeks down the road, you're in more pain. And now you haven't gone to the doctor for those three weeks. And so the insurance company is going to come back and say, well, you're not really injured. You didn't even go to the doctor the first three weeks, but you need to take care of yourself. Go get checked out, go to the doctor. And of course, hire an attorney, hire an attorney to take care of you, be in your corner and advocate for you and get you through the process because insurance companies take advantage and they're in the business of making money. And so many people accept a settlement. So insurance companies will come to you and say, 
okay, um, here's $1,500 to settle your case. And right now, especially through the pandemic, people go, oh, I could use that $1,500, right? Right. So they take it. They take that money and then they go to the doctor and then they're done with treatment and they have a $4,000 bill. Sorry, you already signed and you took your $1,500. It's terrible. It's terrible how insurance adjusters can take advantage of like that. And I hear nightmare stories. I mean, nightmare stories now about insurance companies like not covering anything or pulling all kinds of stunts. So I think it's even getting worse now. And so, and then are there any markers like, like say for example, okay, so I wasn't injured in that accident. Would I still have hired a lawyer? Would I still, like, are there markers for like, what is severe enough to, I think people think I only need a lawyer if I'm looking for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And that's not true. That's not true. So if you're not injured, then no, you don't need an attorney. Although there are some attorneys out there to help with your property damage, if you're just the vehicle was damaged, because even that has gotten difficult. The whole process has gotten much more difficult. We've been doing this for 40 years. I've been doing it for 10, but I grew up in the office. So it's gotten much harder. So if you're injured at all, if you can see the damage to your vehicle, your body probably took some type of injury. Right. And it's always whiplash or lower back stuff that people don't they don't, and it lasts. It's their, the adrenaline, you don't feel the pain in the moment. And then a week later, they, they can't even walk. And I always say, you know, if a car hits your bumper, especially that's your lower back, your lower back's going to take a hit. So yeah. And it's going to um, last, it's going to last for the rest of your life. It's going to bug you the rest of your life if you don't do something about it. So even if it's just the whiplash, the soft tissue injuries, the lower back, the subluxation in your spine that a chiropractor can treat in four to six weeks, that's the ideal. You get an attorney, go get treatment. And a lot of people don't know that they can get treatment without any out-of-pocket expenses because some people don't have health insurance. When you hire an attorney, you don't have to pay for it out-of-pocket. The attorney takes on that responsibility and tells the, the medical provider, you will get paid at the end of this case. Please treat them. Their health is the most important. So they need to get the treatment that they need. And wow. have an and attorney get them through work the process. Like on a retainer or something. I only read like John Grisham novels, so that's my extent of like. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that's a great question. PI attorneys, you do not have any out-of-pocket expenses for us either. So we get paid at the end of the case as well on a contingency base, just like the providers get paid at the end. So you basically walk into the office and say you're in pain, you were in an auto accident, it wasn't your fault you need to get to a doctor. You don't have money to go to a doctor. I will find you the the doctor that you need. You don't have to pay for the doctor. You don't have to pay for me. I take over all of the stress of the actual paperwork, the insurances, the bills, the everything, because sometimes you'll be sent to collections for like your hospital bills. I take care of all of that. And all you do is go to the doctor and get better. And then once the case settles, then everybody gets paid. I did not know that. That seems really amazing. To have, really to have no it's like reason. a concierge service, you know, because <laughs> I, and you know, what's so funny Zoe, is my mom, my mom was in an accident. Somebody hit her and she like, kind of, she got pushed to the side of the road and she was reaching for her, you know, her license and registration and everything in her glove compartment. And there was a city bus that couldn't <gasps> stop in time, hit the car that hit her and then rammed my mother. And she went through hell with that because she was uh-huh. not the secondary hit. Oh, it was a nightmare. I should... I wish I'd talked to you before then. Cause I would have been like, you just have to go in and talk to a lawyer, you know? Yes. Yes. Cause that would have been a case that, that was stress. so difficult for her that that would have been a case for sure for a lawyer. So yeah, just she, had two, she had two hits, she had two impacts. So that's even more complicated. You're dealing with two different insurance companies and a bus. Oh yeah. That's, and who, who wants to do that when you're in physically in pain? 
Right, right, right. <laughs> Who wants yeah. to deal with all that shit? So that's what we do. We deal with all the crap and you just go to the doctor and you get better. And really it's the difference. Hiring an attorney is the difference between a road of pain and a road of recovery. You can stay in pain, deal with the insurances yourself, not actually get the treatment that you need. Or you can just, like you said, really is kind of a concierge service, get taken care of, you know, get back to your family, get back to your life. We help you get your life back a lot faster. Yeah. Cause some of those things, chiropractic and like um, physical therapy, they are, you have to do the prescribed amount to get the optimal healing, you know? And I know so many people who are in that position are like, oh, well, I can only go three times. I'm like, oh, but that's not going to be enough to help, you know? Exactly. So important. Oh, well, thank you so much for this. This is great. Is there anything that you want to add about anything? No, I appreciate you having me here. And I just hope that families can take a quick look at their own insurance and take care of themselves. So I don't have it, less horror stories walk into my office. <laughs> no, I love your mission. And I love how your family just created this. I, anytime we can sort of, everybody approaches entrepreneurialism differently. And it, the pandemic, surely with working from home and some people, did you see the pink documentary? No. Oh, you got to see it. It's so cool. I think it might be on Netflix. Pink has her kids on stage with her. Like her kids stay up till two in the morning. Like she created a different, total different lifestyle, but she is a hands-on mom and she'll like stop choreography. Like they're in stadiums. And she's like, hold on, my kid needs a tissue, you know? And it's so cool. And some people can do that. And other people have to have like a home office where the door is locked and I have these hours. And, you know, so it's kind of neat how your family did it, where it's just like this great culture where you get the family and the work and lawyer work, which seems, I mean, I just work with poop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, poop is hard. I just got out of potty training with my third and I thought I was a pro going into it for the third time. And I had to call Jen. I'm like, Jen, get me past this little hump here because right? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> They're all different, of course. And for some reason, my girls were more stubborn. So I completely yep. agree with you when they say girls are easier to potty train. No, my son was far easier. And, Ooh, the whole- and I think these days girls just get that. I mean, I hear about it all the time. Girls are like three going on 16. I don't know what it is. Cause I know like my clients aren't letting their kids watch weird TV. They have opinions. I don't remember having an opinion about my clothes till I was like 10. And I was like, mom, could you stop making my clothes? Can we buy clothes at the store? <laughs> Oh yeah. My daughter, my second, she goes to get ready for school in the morning and I look at her, I go, okay, <laughs> if that's what you want to wear. I pick my battles. You can wear that as long as you take a sweater. Right on. All right. Well, we're going to log off, but listen, what I love about this interview most of all is that I feel like we've started something new, which I would love to do more of. So you guys, if you hear listening, have used my strategies or know what it's like to be a busy mom managing work or whatever, or especially if you have a field that you feel like more families need to know about, like Zoe and personal injury and what to do in an accident, feel free to write me. Cause I would love to start, you know, I always think it's really helpful when we have just regular people telling our regular stories and how did you make it work in your life? And what have you prioritized? Cause it helps all of us go, Oh, I never thought of that. Or, or it reminds us, you know, Thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah, you can have a great day. Rock on, you guys. Okay, bye, everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. 
I'm on Instagram, jamie.blowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.